Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. As we kick this series off, we're talking about vision and what's our vision for this year and what's our vision for the upcoming year. And that's why I wanted so badly for people to be here if they have the ability to be here. And we're calling this uh, rebound. And, and I apologize for making sports metaphors uh, very oftentimes. I just don't have a lot of v- ballet or chemistry metaphors. And so I just revert back to, to, to this. But we're calling this series rebound for this reason. That when you play basketball, as a general rule, you're either on offense or defense. That's it. You're either on offense or defense. There's not much middle ground. And there's one thing that transitions from one to the next. And that is typically a rebound. And a rebound transitions you. And you play defense and you play defense and you play defense. And then the ball goes up. And if you rebound, if you'll do the work and you'll rebound, zoom, you are now on offense. And I feel like this in the church, maybe, maybe I'm just talking to myself. Maybe it's just been for me. But for the last two years... I feel like I've been playing kind of defense. Let's just, let's just circle the wagons. Let's just make sure everybody's safe. Let's just play it safe, everybody. Let's be careful out there. Right? And we've been playing defense. And that's got to end. Like, that has just got to stop. We're, 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 there's got to be a sense of urgency We're not folks just hanging out. We're part of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is always advancing. The ball's going up, and we're rebounding. And I'm telling you now, we're on the offense again. Like, we're going, everybody. And I'm not asking people just to be stupid and like, hey, we've said this the whole time during COVID. Like, be intelligent. Be smart. I don't think you ought to kiss strangers. I don't think you ought to just lick random door handles. I don't don't think we ought to be doing that. I think we ought to be relatively intelligent. But, but here's kind of the options that we have. We can go into lockdown phase, and we can just play it safe until we go. We can do that. Or we can say, hey, enough is enough, and we're back to work. And that's what we're going to do. We're rebounding the ball, and we're back on the offense. And so for the next three weeks, today and then the preceding two weeks, we're going to talk about what is the vision, and where are we going, and what are we doing for this year, for 2022. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles, we're going to flip open to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23, right? You have the beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Boom! Joshua, there it is. Joshua chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, man, this would be a great time to grab one. It's a new year. It's a new start. And we've gotten them for you. And they're in the lobby. And they're on the high top tables on the ends of the lobby. Just grab one. Just make sure you get the right language. We have English Bibles and we have Spanish, right? Grab the one that works for you. If you have it, when you're ready, would you just stand to your feet? If you're newer around here, maybe it's one of your first times with us, just know this. We always stand during the reading of our primary text. And the reason is just this. It's not right or wrong. It's a thing that reminds us, oh, that's right. We stand in reverence because this is God actually speaking to us. So I'm starting in verse 1. Joshua 23, uh, verse 1. Since years past, the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua was now very old. He called together all the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And he said to them, I am now a very old man. And you've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. Now I'm going to ask you to just switch over to chapter 24. Look over at chapter 24, verse 1. Then he summons all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. 
including their elders, their leaders, their judges, their officers. So they came and they presented themselves to God, verse 2. And Joshua says to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abram and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River. And they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abram from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his family and his children went down into Egypt. So let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you'll speak to us this morning, God. We pray that you will hear your voice and your voice only. Lord, that there would be no other voice that we would hear, that your spirit would speak so loudly to us because, because our hearts are right with you. And we're asking this question, God, what is it you're wanting to say to us in this new year? And where is it you're wanting us to go? And what is it you're wanting us to do? And I pray that you would just communicate that to us loud and clear, Father. Speak your word this morning, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So we're going to look a little at both chapters this morning. We're going to look and say, what is God saying to us? What is, what is God going to say to us in this new year? What would he have for us? And so I'm going to ask you to look right here at the beginning where we started in chapter 23. Look at verse 1. It says, the years passed. And the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. The idea that he's given them rest means this. They've been working very hard. The Israelites have been working very hard. You go to Joshua chapter 1 and we find out right away that Moses is gone. Moses, their leader, the greatest leader in the history of Israel is gone. And you can imagine what a scary time that is for the people of Israel. Their leader is gone. The years have passed. And God's now given them rest. And then look in verse 2. It says, Joshua, who is now very old. He's very old. He calls together who? He calls together the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officers of Israel. And he says to them, I'm now very old. He states the obvious. He's got all the leaders right there with him. And he states the obvious. I'm getting old. Translation, I'm fixing to get ready to move on. And and this thing's got to keep going. Then he continues. He says, you've seen everything the Lord your God has done, past tense. Think back. Remember back, everybody. Remember all the amazing things that God has done. Think back. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. God has been at work. You all have experienced this. You've been through it. You know what God has done. It's been God who's done it for you. And then he says this, and this is interesting to me. I've allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered, as well as the land of those we've already conquered. It'd be really obvious to them to go, oh yeah, you've allotted, you've assigned that land that we've already conquered. You've assigned that land. The land's been conquered. You've assigned it. But I want you to see this. Notice this, what he says. He says, I've assigned all the lands yet unconquered. Translation. Folks, there is work to be done. There are lands that are not yet conquered. There's work to be done here. It's not one of those things where we go, everything has been done. All the lands are conquered and we can just rest. No, he's given you rest. And now he's saying this, there are lands that are not yet conquered. We have work to do. He says something that I think is interesting. This land will be yours. It's a promise. It is promised. This land will be yours. 
How is it that Joshua speaks that so confidently? In other words, that the work that's ahead is going to get done. How, how is it that he knows that? It's because he makes this assumption, because they're following him. For the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there. This is going to happen because God's going to do it. That's how we know this is going to happen. And so because we know God is going to do it, he says this to him. So then be very careful too. Oh, there's a battle left to fight. There's work still to be done. God is going to do it. So here's what you all should do. Make sure your, short, your swords are sharp. Make sure you have your shields. Make sure you march in straight lines. Make sure your helmet's on tight. Stick an extra rock in your pocket. That's not what he says. God is going to fight the battle. So here's what I want you folks to do. I want you to follow everything that Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Translation, I want you to be obedient to God. I want you to be right with God. I want you to follow after God. I want you to do things the way that God has designed them. I don't want you going off on your own half-cocked. I want you to be obedient to God. And he spends the rest of chapter 3, 23, telling them, if you do, if you're obedient to God, here's what's going to happen. And if you're disobedient and you don't follow after God and you don't do things the way that God has designed, Here's what's going to happen. And he lays it all out for them. And then he goes into chapter 24 where we read. And it says, now Joshua summons all the tribes. This is everybody now. He gets everybody to go. Oh, sure. He gets the elders and the leaders and the judges and officers. And they come and they present themselves to God. But it's all the people this time. And notice he gathers them at Shechem. Shechem probably doesn't mean a lot to most of you. But Shechem was really interesting in the Israelite history. First of all, when you go into Shechem, you're in the floor of this valley. And on the one side of you would, would be Mount uh, Gerizim. And on the other side would be Mount Ebal. And it forms this natural, this crazy natural amphitheater. It forms this amphitheater. And it's dramatic because all the people are there. And your voice would carry. And it would be very dramatic. He's got all the people there. It's a really cool place. But Shechem is also very historic to them. And we don't get it, but if you're a Hebrew, if you're an Israelite, then you would understand the history. Their nation is only 400 years old at this point, not even really that. But dating back to Abraham, it's about 400 years old. And Shechem has four really significant marks in, in the Hebrew history. Two of, them, two of them were times where they presented themselves to God and they offered themselves up to God. Right, the first one was, was where Abraham first camped when he came out of, out of the land, which would today be Iraq, and God first called him, and he comes into the promised land. Shechem was the first place that Abraham worshipped God. It was the first place that he camped, and he built an altar. Abraham worshipped God there. Remember, prior to being called by God, Abraham worshipped the moon. He worshipped the moon God. And now God calls him, and he comes into the promised land. Shechem was the first place where Abraham camped, and he built an altar, and he worshipped God. And then two, two generations later, Jacob had left the promised land. Some of you would know that story. But he came back into the promised land. And where did he go? He went to Shechem. And he builds an altar, and he worships God, and he offers himself up to God. 
And then when you go through the whole rest of this chapter as you're going, the next steps, all he does, Joshua goes back and he gives history. And he goes all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's going back 400 years. And we go, well, 400 years isn't that long. Our country isn't 400 years. Think if somebody was going back to give history before our country was a country. 400 years he goes back. And as he's giving their history, what's really interesting is he's not just naming off events. It's where their heads would have gone when he tells the events. He starts off with Abraham and everybody's going, oh yeah, that's right. Abraham is the guy that God gave the promise to that he would be the father of a great nation. That he would have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. That's right. Except the problem was he was about 90 years old when God told him that and he had no children. And it still didn't happen for another 10 years. How is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I'm going to tell you how it happened. And this is what they all would have thought. That's right. The faithfulness of our God. And then he went on to Isaac and then to Jacob. And remember, Jacob had 12 sons and everybody knew that. And one of his youngest sons was Joseph. Remember, the other brothers hated them and they sold him into slavery. They sold him into slavery. And he was taken down into Egypt. And it was hard for him and it was difficult for him. But the faithfulness of God, he found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. And he rose to second in command over all of Egypt behind only Pharaoh himself. And now that he's empowered, you remember this? There is a famine and everything is difficult. Everything is tough for everybody. But there was favor on the Israelites because of Joseph's favor with Pharaoh and his family all came down and they survived the famine. That's right. The faithfulness of God in really difficult times. Our God is faithful. That's right. But then we became slaves and Pharaoh had his thumb on us the whole time. And we all became slaves down there in Egypt. Oh, that's right. When things were really difficult for us, the faithfulness of our God. And he raises up Moses and he raises up Aaron and they led them out of slavery. That's right. In difficult times, our God is faithful and we just keep going. But, but then do you remember that? Do you remember we all got out of Egypt? And do you remember we were camped up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh changed his mind? And here come the chariots of Pharaoh. They're the Sherman tanks of their day. And they're just swooping down on us. And they're going to kill us all and destroy us. Man, times are sure tough. Oh, that's right. The faithfulness of our God. He split the Red Sea. And they didn't just walk across it and, and muck through the mud. You all remember the phrase, they walked through on dry ground. The faithfulness of our God, even in difficult times. And then he goes on to tell them, and then you guys wandered in the desert for 40 years and God was faithful to you. God was faithful to you. And then you got up to the east side of the Jordan. You hadn't crossed into the promised land. You're on the east side of the Jordan. And God led you into battle against the Amorites and you defeated them. And God led you into battle against the Moabites and you defeated them. And that's right. We had to cross the Jordan River. Problem is... It's at flood stage. It's at the time of the year when all the ice is melting. You remember that? It's at flood stage. How are we going to get across? Man, things are tough. Oh, that's right. The faithfulness of the great God of heaven. And he says, I led you across. And you walked across the Jordan on dry ground. And then we got in. And the first city we came up with was Jericho. And Jericho wasn't a big, powerful city. But they were well known for, the, for their walls. You didn't have to go to battle. You just walked around the city. That's right. The faithfulness of our God. 
and they overcame them. And then they defeated the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Termites. I don't even know all of them. A lot of ites. And they just kept defeating them. Why? Because even when things are tough, it's the faithfulness of God. And he just kept reminding them. And I'm reading that and I'm reading that and I'm thinking, I wonder what our history is. Like it just made me think that question. What's our history? What's the history of Cedar Valley? Do you know we're a church that's about 69 years old? March of 1953. I've only been here since 2013. I don't really know the history. I know some of it. I could get a book. I could read a book. We have archives here. I could, I could read a book and I could just stand here and read history. I thought actually what would be really helpful to have somebody here who's been here for a significant part of our history and then not only that, because of a weird connection, has roots to our history way back. And so I asked Pastor Jerry, and he was only happy, too happy to do it. Some of you don't know Pastor Jerry because of the length of time you've been here. He is our pastor emeritus, pastor of this church for almost 26 years. And so would you guys give a big welcome to Pastor Jerry Stranquist? Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Some of you don't know me, but uh, this uh, last year has been a real challenge uh, for me because my wife of 52 years passed away six months ago. And as I walked in, even today, uh, just to show the kindness of this church, a number of you just mentioned to me that you've been praying for me. And I, again, I just say thank you so, so very much. As Pastor Neil has been sharing, I don't know about you, but I get fired up about the word of God. I get fired up about what's happened, what's taken place. But it's real easy for us to say, well, that happened many, many years ago, and that happened in the Bible. But I, I, I've come to find out that God is working even right now with us, and specifically this church. There is a, a book, it's called Move and I Will Move. It was written by the founder of this church, and you can find out some of the history and what happened. Uh, it happened in 1953. There was a group of people out here in Bloomington, and they realized they needed a, a church in Bloomington. So Pastor King's writer answered the call, and he came out here, and they purchased a building for $15,235 at the old Kimball Schoolhouse. And I like to think of it as a chapters in history, a, a certain book. And that was the in the beginning. This really, I think we even have some pictures. Uh, it was in rough shape, $15,000. The bank loaned them. It was a miracle in itself that a bank loaned them $15,000, and then they had to scrounge up the $235,000 or the, the $235 among the members. Amazingly, this church, right over here at 86th and Cedar, it continued to grow. And as it continued to grow, they needed to add, they needed to have a, a sanctuary. So they purchased property, I believe it was about four acres, uh, at uh, 94th and Bloomy, or yeah, in Bloomy, in Portland. 
So they moved there. They first started out with just an educational building, then ultimately they built a sanctuary. Pastor King's writer had this philosophy that churches should only be a certain size, and then what you need to do is you need to plant another church. So what they did, and it was part of the vision of this church, we planted a church in Eden Prairie. And then we planted a church in Prior Lake. And then I happened to be there when there was a transformation that took place in one of the chapters in Cedar Valley Church. I was with Pastor Kingsreiter, and we were in Chicago. Dr. Cho was there, and he was the pastor of the largest church in the world, and I believe it's like 800,000 people. At that time, it was only a measly 350,000 people. And I can remember, it was a rather large auditorium like this, and I, I watched as Pastor Kingsreiter sat up in the balcony all by himself, and as we drove back from Chicago, he said very little, but there was something that had happened on the inside of his heart. Not only should we have churches of 500, but we can have large churches. And so his vision changed. And so there were a bunch of, and it's from the very beginning, a bunch of wild and crazy people here at Cedar Valley Church. So what they did is they started looking for property. At one time, they, they owned more property than anybody in the city of Bloomington. They own property on Penn. They own property at 94th and Portland. They owned another church. And then they bought the 17 acres here. It was wild and it was crazy. And they weren't sure how they were going to do it. And they had to sell property. And ultimately, they were able to buy this. And it was just simply a, a, a Cedar Crest school. And they met in an old fellowship hall. And... Uh, they ran in shifts, so they'd have a group of people, and then they'd send them out uh, one door, and another group would come in, and this is where it started. And then he had this dream of building this 2,000-seat auditorium, and so the 2,000-seat auditorium was uh, eventually built, and it was, it, was, it was easy. It was really easy. There were no problems. It was smooth sailing. It was during a time when interest was 14%. I, again, I'm kind of old. I, I remember I bought a house and I paid 8% interest. I thought I was stealing money. I got it for 8%. It was just incredible. And so they had some times when they were building it in the middle of it. Because of the financial crunch of what was going on, they would say they would stop and say, "We need an extra hundred thousand dollars in a month or two. Could you just give a little bit more?" This sanctuary was built, and it was actually supposed to be four to six or ten feet uh, taller than it was. But they had to adjust the, the building uh, because of the budget crunch, and uh, so. There were difficult times, and, and they wondered, were they going to survive? Were they going to make it? And they obviously did. It was amazing how God continued to work and how God continued to bless this church. And after 37 years, Pastor Kingsley retired in 19, um, uh, 1989. I came in the fall of 1989, and the vision continued. One of the things that we did is we built the atrium. The atrium, uh, there, it was just a grassy knoll with a couple of, or not a knoll, but a grassy area with uh, some trees in there. And once in a while, we would try to have uh, functions out there. It was either too cold, 
It was either too hot or there were too many mosquitoes. <laughs> so ultimately, we had this vision. Wouldn't it be great? 11,000 square foot atrium. Could you imagine not having the atrium today? And there, believe it or not, believe it or not, there was opposition to it. I got letters. They call it the Strandquist Taj Mahal. It showed the limited vision they had. This doesn't look at all like the, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to put in a flat roof. You know why they wanted to put in a flat roof? Because we could save $300,000. I'm a farm boy from northern Minnesota. You know what that's called? That's called a barn. You put machinery in it and you put bales in it. I could just never imagine. Could you imagine not having the kind of roof that we have there? It cost us a number of millions of dollars, but the people sacrificed and gave and then the vision continued that we're going to plant churches and we're going to be a part of what God is doing within our community. Shortly after I came here, we started the Oak Hills Church and, uh, with Rod Carlson, and they've been there, what, 26, 27 years or longer. We also helped Brad Davis plant a church in uh, Chandler, Arizona. Uh, Darren Poley planted in Savage. Chris Book uh, planted South, uh, Southland City Church in uh, the Lakeville area. We invited Lowell Lundstrom to come in and to preach, and we gave him an offering, and we told people, if you would like to go to Celebration Church, you can do that. We also participated in planting River Valley Church. We also, uh, with Tori Farina, he planted another church in Egan. That's just a part of the very core and the, the, the DNA of Cedar, Cedar Valley Church. Then there was an opportunity. I was actually in uh, Texas, and uh, I was talking to a pastor, Scott Wilson. He's talking about charter schools. And he said, you know, one of the greatest opportunities for missions we have is charter schools. We've started a number of uh, charter schools. And with those charter schools, we have started churches. And I think it was like a month later, there was a group of people walking through Cedar Valley Church. And I asked them, who are you? And they said, we're looking for a place to start a charter school. I said, would you come into my office? Would you come into my office? And we sat down and we started talking about starting a ch charter school. What kind of a, a charter school? It was going to be basics, uh, math, arithmetic, writing, you know. And so the charter school started. It was uh, uh, something that, that just permeated in my heart because it's part of the mission of this church. I can remember they would have... Christmas and uh, music celebrations, and I would walk in here, and this place was filled with people celebrating with the charter school. These people never knew that this church existed. Many of them didn't even have a, have a church, but a number of people started coming to this church. They found a part of our mission is to reach out to our community, and how can we minister to our community? This facility is used uh, seven days a week, uh, with all of the facilities we have, and now it has a charter school, I looked at it as an amazing opportunity to minister to, uh, to our uh, community. Then we added uh, the gym and offices, spent, uh, it was like $9 million. Again, that was really easy. It was just nothing to it, but people gave, and you were generous. Uh, the, the just wild and crazy people. We did, this is what we had to do because the charter school needed to move in in January. The, the, you, you think about this, and for, especially for those of you who are in the construction business. We broke ground in June and moved into the facility in January. 
That is called a miracle in the construction business. We talked to, talked to, to uh, con uh, contractors and so, told them if they cannot do the job and if we cannot get it done by January 1st, we're not going to talk to them and we're able to move in. The, uh, we talk about buildings and sanctuaries. I like to think of the people. It's really all about the people. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that it so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. There are men and women of faith who are a part of this church, amazing men and women of faith who believed God and trusted God. There was the Harold Mussetter, Bob Dobler, Les Carlson, Percy Tomlinson, and the list goes on and on of men and women of faith who persevered and believed God. There's something else I felt very strongly about, and that is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that we've been given all these gifts so that we can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Out of this church, we have missionaries like Natalie Overturf, Mindy Dolan-Smith, David Wind, who is working in a church in our community, Rod Carlson, who's the pastor of Oak Hills, Keith Kerstetter, who is in Wilmer, Tom Trzinski, who is now the director of state director for Teen Challenge, Ron Roberts, Brent Silkey, Micah McDonald, Josiah Keneally, Ryan Skoog, who started uh, Venture, and then Neil and Kim Rich. Just amazing, the people who have come out of this congregation. The, the history of this church has had many challenges. There have been moments that what we should have done is we should have quit. And there were a lot of people around who said, why don't you give up? You should stop. Quit reaching out and making a difference. Something I instituted when I came here is we had a really difficult board meeting and times were tough. And what does the scripture say? It says, give and it shall be given unto you. So at the end of the board meeting, we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give money away. We're going to, because we don't have any, we're going to give money away. We're going to do. And I can remember Jim Garvey was our business administrator. He said, I knew you were crazy, but you proved it tonight. And you know what happened? God opened up the window of the windows of heaven. It's really easy to be a critic. It's really real easy to sit along the sidelines and watch and see. You know what one fear I have? And I'm getting close to that day, but I had this fear that when I got to heaven, people are going to talk about the ventures of faith and dreaming and believing God. And I had to move to the other side of heaven. I got there. You know, one of the things they don't do, they don't build monuments to critics, do they? It, it's real easy to sit in the, you know, in the stands and say, I, I, I'd play differently. I'd do it differently. I'd do this. But God has called each one of us to get into the game. How are we going to operate? How are we going to? We're going to participate. We're not going to operate in fear, but we're going to operate in faith. We're not going to just look back, but we're going to look forward. I love looking back, and we have a wonderful history. But I don't know about in your car. When you get into it, you have a big windshield, and you have a little rearview mirror. We look back very little, but it'll inspire us to move forward. And that's exactly what we're going to do. You notice your eyes look forward. With your feet, you run and move forward. With your arms, 
They operate best if we're moving forward. So with us as a church, we're going to be moving forward. I want to move forward. Who's that? The DNA continues. It was uh, 2013. Uh, Pastor Neil, at that time, he had a successful business. We had an opening here, so I went and talked to him, and I said, would you ever consider coming on staff here? And because he's a fool, he said yes. <laughs> he said yes. And you know what? I went home, and I felt guilty. I felt guilty because my shelf life is, life is kind of, you know, on the, uh, the other end, and I, I'm not going to be around here forever. And so I said to Kathy, I said, Kathy, we got to take this couple out for dinner. And we took them out for dinner. And I, at that time, I was like 68 years old. I said, I'm probably not going to be around here forever. And you're tied to me. What are you going to do when I leave? What's, do, you re, do you understand? You, you probably shouldn't sell your business. If I were you, I would play it safe. This is too difficult. Do you know what it's going to mean? And they looked at me and they said... We don't care. We're not connected to you anyway, Pastor Stranquist. That's <laughs> the kind of fools they were. We're connected to Jesus Christ. And he's going to lead us in the future. And that's exactly what he is doing today. As your leader continues to lead you and you follow and you say, I'm no longer a critic, but I'm a participant. It's time for me to put the shoulder pads on and put the helmet on. Hi, you may look pretty good in the uniform, but it's more than looking good in the uniform. It has to do with getting into the game. And we get to participate for the glory and for the kingdom of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Man, I always say this. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. Come on. Right? So good. And your, your thumbprint is all over this place. Our board still says that. Well, we just need to give some money away. I mean, our board is ridiculous at times. Right? I've, I've said this to a lot of people who are visitors. Uh, our culture is very much shaped by Pastor Jerry. And you just had this weird thing that would happen. You could look up and, oh, bump into a visitor. Oh, your first time here. Like, you just bumped into visitors. And it's, it's really impacted our culture here and, and the warm culture that exists at Cedar Valley. And that's one of the reasons why. So looking back, man, we always think, oh, don't look back, never look back. And sometimes looking back, like we look back today, can be a good thing. And here's your big so what for today. Remembering what God did Reminds us of what he can do. It's what God can do in the future. It's what he will do. And we remember that because we look back and we see what God did in the past. So what are we going to do? Well, Joshua, as he's talking to the people, and he's saying God's going to conquer this land. So, right, here's that thing again. So, so sharpen your swords, so strap your helmets on, so get a shield ready, so pack an extra rock. No, here's what he said to them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Like that was, the, that was the commission to the people. We're going to be moving forward, everyone. That's what we're gonna do. So here's what you need to do. More than get some kind of strategy. Before we lay out strategy or logistics or what we're gonna do in the upcoming year, all that doesn't matter a twig. It doesn't matter at all if our hearts aren't right with God. 
And I say that for us as a church, but I know that that's true of you individually, of you personally, because for a lot of you, it's been a new year, and all of a sudden you've sat down and you've written out goals. And I'm just telling you this as a follower of Jesus, write this down. It doesn't matter a bit if your heart's not right with God. Like we can't just sign God's name to things. Oh yeah, God's gonna do this. God's gonna do this, right? Uh, hey, can I do this real quick in cameras? If you can't follow me, I, I'm sorry. I just, I gotta do this two seconds and, I, and just everybody stay seated for just a minute. But I gotta tell you this, because I just thought of this. Because sometimes we go, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, you need to hear something in, in about 30 seconds. Because I know you folks have prayed for this and I just want you to hear in cameras, if you, if you lose me, sorry if you're online, but, but I want you to hear this because this is the most silly thing in the world. This is the power of God. John, Cook, tell them what God, tell them your experience that you had. Because you had a very significant experience where you encountered God. John was going to die and the hospital workers said, yeah, we ain't going to spend a lot of time on him because he's going to die. Now yes, you I, uh, I ended up in the hospital with COVID. Uh, and uh, all I remember is being knocked down in the bathroom to the floor. And the next thing I knew, I was in outer space, and I saw all these stars. And over to the left was a big white area. And I was floating there, and then all of a sudden, Jesus came to me. And he said, do you want to come to heaven now, or do you want to go back? And I just, I just got thinking. I said, well, wait a minute, Lord, you're my Savior and Lord. What do you desire? And he says, your work's not done. And the next thing I knew, I woke up in VA hospital. And, and I had un, just unimaginative opportunities to pray with people and to speak and to share my story. And the nurses called me their Christmas miracle. And it just was tremendous opportunity. I knew it was God. I did say a few times, Lord, a little less pain would be nice. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord. Yes. And here I am, part of this service, yes. praising God. It's just exciting. Amen. And uh, the Lord is not done Amen. with any of us. Amen. He's, he wants us to move on with him, and he's got much to do. Amen. Amen. So here's what we got to do. At the beginning of the year, what we got to do is we got to serve God wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly means this, only God. It means don't, don't serve some other things. Don't, listen, the God of today, do you know, I, I believe the God of today has become safety. It's become caution. It's become comfort, right? And he had to talk to them. He had to talk to them, Joshua did, and said, I know you've been worshiping the idols of your fathers. I know you've been doing that. I know you've been doing that. He tells them, listen, he says, you got to put those away. Put away forever the isles of your ancestors worship when they lived beyond the Euphrates River. And I just think for us, have we done that? Are we serving other gods? We've got to serve God wholeheartedly. He says, put them away. And then he says this, and serve the Lord alone. That's what it means to serve God wholeheartedly. And eventually, you know, he, he, he doesn't even tell him you got to stop doing that. Eventually, he tells him, you got to choose. Like, you got to make a conscious decision in your head. I'm serving God. We can lay out all the ideas for this new year. We can lay out all the strategies. We can lay out all the logistics. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do this. If our hearts aren't right with God, if we're still serving the idols, it's useless. 
It's pointless. It's silliness. It's a complete waste of time. Serve God. Serve him alone wholeheartedly. That's what we've got to do. And so we have a big so what. Here's our big now what for today. Just do that. Serve God wholeheartedly. We're going to serve God wholeheartedly this year. First and foremost, that's our vision for the church. Now, I know in the next two weeks, we're going to be laying some things out. Come back. I want you to be here. Be on campus. If you're online and you didn't know about that and you have the ability, be here. But so here's what we're going to do today. Our our worship team is going to come out. We're going to have just a little extended time of worship for this reason. Because I think we really got to examine our hearts. I don't think we should just say it. I think we should actually do it. I think we should examine our hearts. And first and foremost, I think we got to say, God, are, are there idols? Are there idols that have gotten in the way? Maybe. Maybe there's some idols. Maybe comfort has become an idol. Maybe safety has become an idol. Safety is not really a Christian value. I don't know how to say that. It's not really a Christian value. Hey, everybody be sure and be safe. Now, again, don't, don't be stupid. God gave us a brain. Use it. Use some wisdom. But if our primary concern is just being safe until we can get out of here and go to heaven, something wrong happened. Like that's not a Christian value. And so what are the idols? What are the idols? And then as we sing, I just want to make this available to you. You know, in the Old Testament, they used to bring things to the altar. And the altar was where you brought sacrifices and you surrendered them and you laid them down. That's what you did at the altar. And the church, if you're new, we have a lot of church talk that you don't understand probably. But at the church, we still call this the altar. Because the altar is where we bring our praise and we bring sacrifices of worship. And I'm saying this morning, look, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Which means this, God, I'm wholly committed to you wholeheartedly committed to you. I'm surrendering. I'm yielding. I'm giving. So here's what I'm going to offer you. As we worship, you might want to spend some time in prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then if you feel moved by the Spirit, then do this. Offer your body a living sacrifice. Come up here. Come to the altar. Just as a sign of saying, man, I'm in. I'm I'm back in. I'm surrendered. And if you're watching online, I'm just going to tell you this. This is my view. I think change of posture is really important. So if you're online, you can't walk down here to the altar, but I would do this. I would change my posture. If you're in your home, I would stand and raise my hands. I would get down on my knees. I would change my posture and say, I'm a living sacrifice today. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and worship. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to have audience with you, the God of creation. Thank you for allowing us to worship you. Thank you for our pastor, Jerry, who came and brought us the word about our history. Thank you for your history, and it reminds us of of your faithfulness to this church, oh God. So grateful, so grateful. And now, God, hear our hearts. Hear our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us where, where have we gotten off? What idols have we picked up? Maybe we've laid them down before and we've picked them back up. Would you reveal that to us, oh God? Thank you for your faithfulness and your steadfastness in our lives, God. And now, Holy Spirit, you just work.